Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season four. Well, guys, on this episode of Let's Get Real podcast, we are joined by Jason Van Ruler. And Jason is a therapist, he's a coach, speaker, and author, and he's dedicated his life to impacting others so they can make an impact. And Jason is the author of a book called Get Past Your Past. It came out in 2023, but we wanted to share this episode with you as we start a new year because I think all of us want to get past our past. And I think it's in the forefront of our minds as we start a brand new year. And so I hope that you check out the show notes because there's a link to Jason's book in the show notes. It would be a great thing for you to use as you start a brand new year to get past your past. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the Let's Get Real podcast with Jason Van Ruler. Well, Jason, thanks so much for being on the Let's Get Real podcast. We kind of got talking before we pressed record, and I think we could make a like a day out of it of all of the things. Um, but for um, people listening that may not be familiar with you, uh, we'd just love for you to share a little about yourself, your family, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, and thank you, by the way, I, I could talk to you guys for a whole day as well. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. So uh, you're like, maybe not a whole day, Jason, but <laughs> hey, we may need your day. help. <laughs> Close to a whole day. We may be paying uh, you and, to talk to us down the road. And I'm here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start tracking the time. It's no big deal. You're going to bill. Uh, yeah. So uh, about that, I am a therapist. Um, that's something that I've been doing for uh, over a decade. Uh, it's something I'm super passionate about um, is just helping people. Um, and a lot of that, and to talk about some of that in the book, but a lot of that has to do with just the role that therapy's played in my life. Um, and it's also just been a lifelong dream of mine to be a therapist. Uh, I joke with people, but um, at age eight, uh, I journaled about wanting to be a therapist, uh, which I think if you're journaling at age eight, like you're probably going to be a therapist. Uh, but I was I was there in my my corduroys and my bass Weegian penny loafers. And I was like, someday I want to be a therapist. And wouldn't you know it? Here I am. Uh, so I clearly knew what I wanted, but the path was complicated. So it took me a long time to get here. Uh, but yeah, now I'm a therapist. I have a private practice and then I travel quite a bit to workshops and intensives. Um, and then I'm married. I've been married for 17 years and I've got three kiddos and a dog, okay. I should say. And we have a puppy as well. Okay. Okay. Well, as we were kind of getting to know one another uh, before we recorded, we just realized some of the, a lot of crossover relationally. And so it's always great to have people on the podcast that, you know, they, in theory, they're strangers, but because of the mutual connections, they feel like friends. And, and, uh, and so we're grateful for you just to take some time to talk about your brand new book, Get Past Your Past. And for those that yes. are listening to uh, the podcast, um, you know that, that this is a huge heart of Trish and I is to help people overcome their past so that they can embrace uh, God's future for them. So we'd love just to kind of hear maybe uh, before we dive into the specific, specifics of the book, uh, what led you to kind of go in this direction of helping people get past their past? Yeah, well, um, it, it's a long story. The short version is, uh, I think I've been writing this book by living it out my whole life. Uh, so I started off uh, as a kid and uh, had what I thought was going to be a really idyllic childhood that was upended by my parents' divorce. Um, and so we kind of went from uh, this sort of what I thought was going to be perfect childhood to something that was pretty chaotic um, and volatile. And so I left that uh, as an 18-year-old and did what all 18-year-olds declare, which is I'm going to make it completely different. My life will be 
night and day different than what I came from and then just rebuilt what I came from. Mm. Uh, so it was like four years later and I'm like, oh man, this looks a lot like the thing I swore off. I wonder how that happened. Um, and how that happened was I just didn't know better. Right. And so mm. that started to kind of lead me down this path of if I'm honest with myself, uh, I think I'm called to more. And if I'm called to more, I need to figure out how to get there. And so that uh, that happened in the mix. I got married. And so uh, I for once had a person who was like, oh, I love you. Uh, and actually, you kind of need to get better. Uh, some of this stuff mm. needs to stop. Um, and so that was helpful. And then I kind of ended up switching careers. And so as I did that, what I found is, uh, and I've gotten so many cool opportunities to work with people in prison, coming out of prison, all the way up to, you know, super wealthy clients. Uh, but they all had kind of this similar struggle, which was there's something from their past that just keeps getting in the way of their happiness. Hmm. And so uh, it just occurred to me, especially with COVID and all these things going on, that if we could address that, like that would really be meaningful. And, and because I'm a relationship guy, I also see that if we don't address that, that often gets in the way of our connection. I think that's what I loved about your book. Sometimes the most simplest things are the most complicated to understand. And what I appreciated about your book is you, you took very um, complex pieces of um, brokenness and confession and healing, and you made it like practical in a way that it's like digestible, but at the same time is like, you know, I think the big resounding question I walked away from your book is like, I have to choose it. Like, mm. th there's a, there's a lot of conversation with myself in the book of like, okay, where, where am I at the, with this as opposed to like what happened to me and that kind of dictating, um, my life. And so, and you share about that, you know, what you just shared with us in the book of kind of, and to that point, we kind of look at, Oh, the person was in prison. That's what shaped their story. Or that person is wealthy. That's what shaped their story and their heartbreak. But you kind of bring us to this. I, I can't remember what chapter it is, but that like, we're all the same. You know, yeah. like we're not unicorns. Just like <laughs> super, oh, man, super really unpopular chapter. Please don't talk about that chapter. Nobody likes that chapter at all. Not a good chapter. Uh, but it's true, right? As much as we don't want to admit that, like we we do share a lot in common, and and we are all special, and we all have unique stories, and yet. Uh, a lot of times those stories have all the same pieces as somebody else's um, and they can relate. One of the things that I really appreciated about it, about your book is um, how you, you weave in personal story, but also um, you make it attainable. I think so often when people think about brokenness and think about overcoming their past, it's this giant hill we have to climb. But by, not, I don't want to say minimizing, but by bringing it down to, hey, you're not on an island. Everyone is going through something that is breaking them. It helps me feel like I'm not alone and I'm not crazy. How, how have you seen people kind of addressing their own brokenness, moving, you know, moving them past their past and helping them experience wholeness? Yeah, I, well, I think what you're talking about gets in the way a lot of times, right? Because we do feel like we're alone or that it's up to us to figure the whole thing out. Um, and so what I wanted to do was just to take my experience and my education, 
but to make it really practical. Uh, I'm, I'm always annoying at therapist conferences uh, because they talk <laughs> about an idea and they're like, do you have any questions? And I swear everyone's like, oh, Jason, okay. All right, yep, Jason's got a question. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I got a question. Uh, and they're like, oh, I bet, I bet the question is like, what's the practical application? And it's always my question. My question is always like, how do we walk this out practically? Uh, because otherwise it's not helpful. Uh, because I think one of the worst things that we do to people is we complicate an already difficult situation. Um, and then it's overwhelming to even get help, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm always just looking for what's the on-ramp to actually get to the destination and what are the steps? And so when I wrote the book and people tell me like, oh man, it was an easy read, like that is the biggest compliment to me. Uh, because I'm like, yep, nailed it. That's exactly what I wanted is to make this uh, accessible for people and for them to feel like it's not just me doing it. Everybody's doing it. That's so good. That's like our, our passion with marriage coaching because we're not certified counselors. Um, we've done pastoral care for 25 years, but um, kind of that practical side. And, and to your point, like I think that's the beauty of your book is Justin and I are fans of counseling. We, we both go to counselors. We talk about counseling all the time. People, our listeners probably roll their eyes or like, ah, oh, here we go again. Um, but you make this statement that again, I think it's like the simplicity of taking something that's so hard and then going, okay, but here's, here's the agency in it. You say, I think it's important that we walk this line between accepting what has happened in honoring our ability to choose, that we are not able to choose what happened to us in the past, but we are able to decide how to respond to it today. The, you know, the person that's listening and just, you know, is in that kind of, and it's not always these big, deep, like my marriage is falling apart or my career is falling apart, but just like you wake up one day and you just feel like all of it has just caught up to you and you just feel like, oh, this is my life. It is what it is. And then you say, no, there's something else you get to choose. What's kind of your encouragement in that practical, you know, application that we always have a choice to have agency over our life? Yeah, well, we do. And, and I think, like you said, two things. Uh, the one thing is don't do the thing that we do where we're too much or not enough, right? So the problem is too big or it's not big enough to do something about. Because I think we all kind of get into that measurement. Um, and I know certainly I did that for a long time. I was like, well, I know this is really affecting my life, uh, but it's not as bad as other people's. And so I shouldn't, I shouldn't have this problem. Okay, mm. well, that actually doesn't eliminate the problem. It just makes me feel bad about what's already happening. Uh, so <laughs> we want to avoid kind of doing the should thing. Uh, but I think then the other part of it is uh, when we're there, it's just how do I make a different decision in this moment? So it doesn't have to be this big declaration for the future because we don't know it. Um, and quite frankly, a lot of times we're called to so much better and things turn out so much better than we could have anticipated anyway. And so our job is just how do I do the next right thing today? Um, whatever that looks like, right? So if it's, I've got a really challenging past um, and it leads me to cope in this certain way, how do I just do something different today about that? Uh, because we stack the todays up and life changes. Ooh, mm, that's, good. that's good. You know, one of the things that Trish and I try to help people understand is that we're created for intimacy and intimacy is to be fully known, right? And our greatest desire is that we would be known and our greatest fear is that we won't be loved, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't, 
compromise truth in our relationships because we want to be liars. We compromise them because we're afraid, man, if Jason ever knew that about me, he wouldn't love me. How can people kind of get past that fear of rejection so that they can allow some of the brokenness and some of their past, maybe the mistakes or things that have been done to them, right? Sometimes the things that we struggle with aren't even choices we've made. They're, they're choice. Your parents divorced. You didn't make that choice for them, but it, it had direct implications on your life. How can people get past their fear of maybe being rejected or their fear of vulnerability to be able to see that on the other side of that is healing? Yeah. Well, I, I think two things on that. So the first thing is just to recognize that the people who love us best, um, they already know us. So mm. we'll do this thing where we'll be like, okay, I've got this secret. I really have to tell you, but turns out um, I, I I don't like to eat at that restaurant that I've always said that we like to eat at. Everyone's like, oh, I know. Or you're like, uh, I really don't. So I, I see so many clients uh, and I'll encourage them. I'll be like, like, just go tell your person the truth. And they'll be like, okay, uh, well, I made this big deal out of it. And I told them the truth. And I'm like, what was their response? And they're like, oh, they said they already knew. And I'm like, oh, well, that seems disappointing. So so the thing is like the people who love us best, um, they probably know anyway. Uh, and they just love us in that space. Uh, and they're just like, oh, I wish you didn't have to overcomplicate it. Like, I wish you just said how it was instead of having to make it different. So I think there's that piece. I think the other piece is um, sometimes we have really good reason not to trust other people. Uh, we've had life experiences that have told us that we can get really hurt. And so I think if we want to lean into that intimacy, it's not an all or nothing thing. I think we have to qualify the people we do that with. That's so good. I think, you know, it, it one of the things that we encourage people is like, you, you don't have to be transparent with everyone because that would be creepy, but you should be transparent with someone. <laughs> yes. There's maybe yes. one person in your life that's trustworthy enough for you to be transparent with. I, I usually yeah. don't like read so many quotes to the author on this podcast, but you're- both I love it. This is filling my cup. You just keep going. Well, that's great. But you say, again, like these really hard they are difficult in the midst of broken relationships and heartache. And we, especially as uh, Christ followers, our theology can like trip us up to our healing that we like shame ourselves or guilt ourselves to just a simple truth. And you say in chapter 15, but the truth of the matter is we can't control love because love involves real people and real problems. And as you probably experienced for yourself once or twice, we can't control people. The harder we try to hold on to them, the more often we lose them. Woo! And I just thought it's, it sounds so simple, but that counterintuitiveness of like our love becoming controlling or our love arriving. What is like, obviously I could read the whole chapter and everybody be like, Trish, please stop. I'll, I'll read the book. <laughs> Please but, do. No, I would love to hear you read the whole chapter. In the in the in the practical <laughs> the audio version of the book on Audible is not read by Jason. It's now read by Trisha Davis. Hey, I can live with that. That sounds great. Yeah. I think the cusp of um healing that we work, whether it's couples or one on one with people, is like just that premise of like real love is messy. And there's hope in that, like there's transformation in that there's not just defeatism in it. And so like, 
the person that may feel defeated in like, I just can't, I don't even know how to love anymore. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I try and I expect love to go to this, like up into the right life. And then it's just messy. What are some of like the encouraging thoughts that you would say to someone of like, what does it mean to have messy love? Like, what do you do with it practically to, you know, have those healthy, intentional relationships? Yeah, and it it is messy. I mean, it always is messy. Even even with you know the the healthiest people, love is messy. Uh, we just can't get away from it. I think I think where it gets difficult is if we've had childhood experiences with our parents or caregivers uh, where we felt like uh, we couldn't count on them. And so uh, if we can't count on the people who are literally supposed to care for us and keep us alive that creates a lot of problems for us later. Because then what we feel like is we have to control relationships in our life uh, because it's literally life or death, right? That's been Mm. our experience is that I have to get these people to love me because if they don't love me, I won't survive. And so if we come from that background, we often replicate that in our adult life, which um, we then see as trying too hard or pushing too much or being perfect or trying to be perfect, all these things. And so- the first thing I would just tell people is like, you probably have good reason for the struggle you're having. Like that's probably based on some experiences you've had. Mm. Um, and then uh, what's actually true. So that was true then, but what's true now. Um, and so I think that's a really important question. Sometimes we forget to think about is that uh, the context really matters. So uh, if you are not loved by your parents uh, at age two, you could literally die. Right. And so that is super important. Um, If you are dating and you're 20 uh, and someone doesn't love you, uh, bummer, you'll you'll be fine. Right. Like you'll figure it out. Um, And so I think kind of just saying like, yep, I don't have to try to control it. I don't have to hold on so tight. I can allow the other person to be who they are is really meaningful. Um, One of the primary things that I help couples do when I practice is just to actually give each other space to be who they are and to grow. Uh, But to do that, you have you have to understand it's going to be messy. Mm -hmm. That's good. We say that kind of our language in our house is don't take personal what is personal. Mm. That like when we're in proximity with each other, that like it doesn't mean we're not hurting each other's feelings, but it's not from a posture of like it is about you you're getting uh, the residual of something that I'm dealing with personally. So, you know, not to take it personal, but it, it's hard. Yeah. Um, when Trish and I were separated and in counseling uh, back in 2005, our counselor said to us, you can't heal a wound you don't give a name to. And mm-hmm. so we were, you know, really encouraged to identify not just the wounds that we inflicted on each other, but past wounds that may be affecting our relationship and really name those so that we can begin to find healing. In chapter seven of your book, you say, feel it to heal it, which I think is kind of in the same, the same vein. Mm-hmm. Um, explain a little bit of that, um, that vernacular, that, that axiom that you come up with there and how important it is for people to actually identify what they're feeling in order to find healing. Yeah, because they have to they have to be able to understand what they're feeling so they know how it impacts their behavior and their relationships. Um, I talk about this sometimes like it, it's like when you have a sunburn on your shoulders and you wear a T-shirt uh, and so other people can't see you have it. Uh, but your good buddy puts their hand on your shoulder and you have a big reaction. Mm. OK, and the reason is, is because that's a tender place, uh, but other people don't see it. And so mm. we have to be able to identify, hey, that's a tender spot. 
so we can tend to that and, and heal it so that in our relationship, we're not constantly just reacting. And so the whole idea of having to feel feelings, I mean, I think collectively people roll their eyes and they're like, okay, this is so cool. It's a therapist talking about feelings that that's super uh, unique. And boy, that's, that's really original, Jason. Good job. Um, and yet like there's so much research and experience that just tells us like it is all in there and the choice is really to deal with it or to react to it. Um, mm. And that that's always a decision. And so what I want people to do is to actually deal with it. Mm. So, <laughs> do you feel like um, people underestimate the importance of grief, of grieving, you know, certain things, like whether that be the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one or the loss of a marriage or whatever losses that we might accumulate in life? It feels like... Um, I was never really taught how to grieve or how to process loss. Do you feel like that accumulates in people's hearts and affects their relationships in, in some major ways? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it, it closes doors in our heart uh, that would have been open otherwise. And, and also, um, from a faith perspective, I think God meets us in those places in really big ways. And so I think our refusal to deal with some of that stuff is not actually allowing us to know God in the way we really could, uh, which mm. is to know more fully. Um, and so I, I think there's just so much good reason to go there. And also, it's painful. Right. It's like a, it's a kind of a tough sell to say, like, hey, you should grieve stuff uh, like I'm, I'm a pretty good salesman, but that's a tough one. Uh, and I think if we don't, what happens is our heart gets smaller, our relationships get more shallow, and especially our relationship with God is impacted by that. Mm. Oh, man, that's good. It's hard because I think we're not taught what grief is. And like if you look at online, it's that real simplistic, you know fashion of grief that I can't remember who like the original author but her whole goal was to like give language to grief and we kind of hung our hat on those stages and just kind of said well that's that here are the stages but it's it's multifaceted and I think not linear no Mm -hmm. and, and I think what trips us up is that we don't know what's healthy grieving you know, and so again, we get back to that piece of like shame or just defeatism because it's like, man, I didn't think I would feel sad again, or I didn't think I would be in like denial, all of those things. But I mean, you just you just nailed it. It's like it is messy, but as you do the hard work of it, you you learn, like you grow, and you start to understand more concepts that you didn't know before. Um, one, one chapter that got me good amidst all of them, but like, I'm trying to see which, uh, she has like 47 posted notes. Mike, you didn't even (laughs) post my book that much. My gosh. It's chapter. Well, I know you, I know you. It's no big deal. I know you. Chapter 19. And the reason I want to bring this up, because I originally wasn't going to, but I think we all have our own individual barriers that may not have to do with our actual wounds but how we approach our wounds and our personalities like what we've been taught and so Mm -hmm. when you talked about three signs of the chameleon syndrome like um looking for others for your sense of self-worth becoming like those around you feeling unseen and unheard every middle child is like straight up but like (laughs) like me too me too (laughs) (laughs) that that was a significant barrier for me and how I lived life that even if I 
were to have read your book and you were teaching me these things, I had another barrier that I wasn't aware of that I wasn't, I wouldn't have allowed myself to experience it through how God created me, Mm. but rather through that chameleon syndrome. And you talk about that in the book. Um, I'm sure there's a better fashioned question, but like kind of reclaiming your identity and, and standing firm, like that you matter that you, you know, like you can have agency just as a human being, not with like all the labels we put on ourselves. How do you encourage people to, to break free, whether it's the chameleon syndrome that I faced or, you know, to break free, to live in that authenticity of, I do matter. Yeah. And it's tough, especially if our experiences say otherwise, right? If we have experiences that say you're too much, you're not enough, it can be really, really difficult to say, well, I'll just be me. Uh, that that requires a skill set. And so usually where I start with clients that struggle with this, and by the way, I've struggled with this too, um, is just who are you on Saturday? So on a Saturday, when you have nothing you have to do, who are you on that day? Because the mm-hmm. chances are that's pretty close to who you authentically are. And what is it about that person that day that you really love, right? And you might say, well, you know, I, I love to go do this thing or this thing or dress this way or... So like, who are you when you get to be who you want? Um, And then how present is that in your daily life? And so what happens a lot of times, I'll talk to people and I'll say that, and they'll say literally, like, there's a morning a week where I'm myself and the rest is not. And so we start to reclaim, what if, what if that was more present in your life than just a morning a week? What if we started to walk that out in a bolder way? Um, And the trick is really that we just have to do it step by step. So where people get really off track is, you know, they do the midlife crisis or they do a big declaration. They're like, this isn't me and change everything. Um, And then what they usually realize is like they actually were pretty similar to who they were they were living as. uh, But some things were different. And so Mm. our goal is just to figure out what the some things are, Mm. Uh, because otherwise we change everything. And then we're like, oof, wait a second. Turns out it was it was actually pretty close, but some of these things were off. And and then if we do that, we end up kind of blowing up our life and having regret. Yeah. That's good. You know, one of the things that I've realized about myself is as I've kind of gone through different uh, moral or you know just um, you know bottoming out in you know mentally or emotionally or morally or whatever the case might be. I, I, there, I do bring hurt and wounds to other people, but there's mm-hmm. nobody that's going to be harder on myself than me. Like I am, I'm my worst critic. I'm the loudest voice of, you know, frustration in my own head. I, I'm, I'm constantly telling myself I need to get better. You talk a lot in your book about self-acceptance and self-compassion. I think that's a re- really important thing because as you're trying to make changes and you're, as you're trying to overcome the past, it's not always the external voices that are the most damaging to us. It's the internal ones. Mm-hmm. So how can someone who may be their, their worst critic or their, their, you know, their, they are the most discouraging or the hardest on themselves, how can they grow in self-acceptance or self-compassion? Yeah. Uh, well, I always feel like we have two hands uh, and one is for truth and one's for grace. And so um, some of us are really, really good at truth. Like we, we just know that so well. And so we pick on ourselves because we're like, the truth of the matter is X, Y, Z. And so where we start is what about the other piece? How well do we do grace? How much attention do we give grace? 
Um, and the other thing is just uh, from what I've learned of working with so many people is uh, people don't get better uh, when they put themselves down. Like that's rarely ever the catalyst for lasting change. Um, mm. We can guilt and shame someone into temporary change, uh, but it's not sustainable. And so if you truly are sorry, if you truly have made a mistake and want to be better, then the least you could do is actually improve the right way. And so I'll kind of paradoxically just say like the whole beating yourself up thing, like that's actually really inefficient. And if you truly want to change, stop doing that. Mm -hmm. um, learn the lesson, have the takeaway and then apply it and move forward. Um, and some of this is uh, just working with people who have even been victims of serious crimes uh, who have taught me like, Jason, we just want the people to be better. I, I don't know if I've ever talked to a victim that said like, well, I just want them to be miserable and, and hold themselves back. They've always said like, I want them to get better. And so just know like, you're the only one that wants you to stay miserable. Like that's, that's, oh, wow. you're the only one calling for that. Everybody yeah. else just wants you to figure it out and not do it again. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to close on like a lighthearted topic of all your book and okay. this area of brokenness is you know, there's different generations that have buzzwords. And so like transparency has kind of become a buzzword, but I think sadly brokenness has become a, like a, like an eye roll buzzword. Like, uh, I won. And, and I don't, I think we still struggle to discover what does that even mean? And you kind of address brokenness. Um, could you just kind of like break that down? Why you even wrote a chapter on, on brokenness? Yeah, and, and you're right about that. Uh, to be quite honest, I really struggled with what word to use uh, because mm -hmm. I did the thing everybody else did, which is like, oh man, I'm so unique in using the word brokenness. I, I'm, I've got to be the first one to have ever done this. Uh, and you can imagine my surprise when I learned I was not. Um, and yet I think it kind of captures the messy stuff. So um, the brokenness is just really about our expectation of how it's supposed to be and how it really is and the difference between the two. Um, and so that can be major and profound, or that can be minor. Um, and so that's kind of the message of the book is like, uh, we all have a past. We, we all have a thing that is getting in the way. Uh, and for some people, that's like a major, wow, huge lot of work to do. And for others, it's, it's just like a small experience that keeps coming up. Um, and so for me, brokenness is just whatever that thing is that's preventing you from getting to where you're called. That's good. So the book is called Move Past, or no, it's called Get Past Your Past. Uh, we none of us know the subtitle, but I'll, I'll, I'm working read, on it. I'll read it. I'm working on it. So it. You don't know it, Jason, uh, how facing your broken places leads to true connection. And I think so many of us, we desire that connection. Um, what would you say to the person that feels paralyzed right now because there's a feeling that I have to have it all figured out? Right. I think that's a, a lot of people's um, stagnation. It, it, the, it seems too insurmountable. What, what would you say to someone who may be driving in their car right now? They're listening to this podcast and like, well, that sounds great, but I have too much work to do or I'm too broken or I'm too unforgivable. What would you say to that person that feels overwhelmed by their past? Yeah. What if it's not true? What, what if all those statements aren't true? Um, that's probably what I'd say. Uh, and then I'd say, if you really think it is, uh, call somebody that cares about you and tell them and see if they agree. Uh, and if they agree, uh, then call two more people. And I guess if you get three people that agree, maybe you got a point. 
but until then, uh, what we want to do is just do the next thing. Um, you know, people ask me, they say like, Jason, how did you write a book and do the things you've done coming from where you've come from? Um, and everyone's always disappointed uh, because I'm like, well, here's the thing. I just asked somebody that knew what the next step was and I did it. And they're like, mm. and then what? And I'm like, no, but that's pretty much it. I just kept doing the thing. And they're like, okay. And the reason is because it works. So yeah. if you're listening to this um, and you're overwhelmed, or you're like, but they don't understand me. Um, I would just ask you, like, what's one thing you could do to help that today? A call you could make, a text you could send, a book you could order. What is that? And do it. And then refine. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I probably would have changed your title to what you just said. I mean, it just, uh, I, and it, it, I, I love the practicality of hard life, messy stuff. And you, you do it with such grace and truth. So I just, we just appreciate you. We're so, we're thankful to get to meet you as our listeners get to meet you. And, um, we just, if you're listening, get the book, get past your past. And I, I think at the end of it, it was like, I kind of wanted to run through a brick wall, but at the same time, like, in, like I felt encouraged, but then I was like, oh, shoot, dang, there's some work I still need to do. <laughs> uh, so just know uh, for all of you listening, you are not alone and we're, we're all, all in this together. We're going to put everything in the show notes uh, and link everything as well as Jason's social media. So you can follow him on Instagram. He has a fantastic resource that he offers for free uh, on Instagram before he just kind of shares uh, the wisdom he shared with us on the podcast on Instagram. So you definitely want to follow him and get his book, Get Past Your Past. So thanks so much, Jason, for being with us. Hey, this is wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. As we close this episode, I want to encourage you, if you are looking for transformation in your marriage relationship, be our guest at the Refine Us Weekend Experience, May the 3rd through the 5th, of 2024 in Nashville, Tennessee at the Virgin Hotel. It's going to be an incredible weekend for you to transform your heart and the heart of your marriage. To find out more information, just go to refineus.org slash weekend. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Let's Get Real podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.